So twos are titled the helper. I've also seen them titled um, the giver. And I think they're both helpful terms, but again, the titles aren't the whole story. Um, so don't solely get caught up on it. I also wanted to say, I don't know if Charity is gonna be talking about this during her sermon or not, but I think a lot of Christians misidentify as twos. There are a ton of Christians that are twos. Um, there's obviously we just my wife is one um but a lot of christians misidentify as twos because we're told like that's exactly how jesus is and like that's the full story of jesus when it's not um but this selflessness that twos bring to the table um we think that that is the ideal christian and that's it um especially uh just the cultural part of female christians and one of the creation stories in genesis where like God created woman as a helper, like, and he uses that word. That is not a good way to um, understand that story at all. Like that, the word for helper actually means something completely different. So uh, don't, don't take it in that way. But I think it's important to say we're a Christian community. A lot of people misidentify as type twos because they think that's what they need to be. So they try to be it and they try to create this story when in reality, there's a more dominant story going on for them. So uh, the helper, they are the caring interpersonal type. They are generous. Um, they're often described as warm. People love to be around them. Um, they tend to be super empathetic. Um, I didn't record this. Okay. Uh, they are people that people like to be around, right? They twos also have this tendency to be really sentimental. So when me and Muriel first started dating, I don't know if I should share this, but I am. Uh, when we first started dating, I went to her house like that she grew up in and I went into her room and it's like wall to wall things like up on shelves on the wall, the desk, every part of her room had something that was sentimental, like from story, from a friend group or from family. And it stressed me out so much, <laughs> but it was so like, it's meaningful to her, right? Cause like it's, there's stories involved and there are people involved. There's those relationships. Um, they're very sentimental. Uh, I found this quote that was, um, kind of explained why it's titled The Helper. I think it's from the Enneagram Institute. And they said, we've named it The Helper because uh, this type, more than any other, are either the most genuinely helpful people, or if they're less healthy, they are the most invested in seeing themselves as helpful. Um, so when twos are healthy, they are giving, they're helpful in a really good way. But if they're not as healthy, they they want to seem like they're helpful and have recognition for it. They they want to portray this image as doing that. Uh, twos also, not always, but most of the time, have a ton of friends, and they spread of like a wide net, and people love to be around them. So why wouldn't you want to be friends with them? Kind of the motivations, desires, and fears. So twos really just their basic desire and motivation behind how they're in the world is they want to feel loved. Um, and conversely, their fear is that they are unworthy of that love and or they're just unwanted. So uh, that fear drives them to constantly want to give of themselves to other people 
because then they'll receive love in response, right? Like people will appreciate them. People will want to be in a relationship with them because they're so giving and selfless. They love people. They love family. They love friendship. Um, but at certain times, pride becomes a problem for twos. It's, so it's this weird thing of they don't feel like they're worthy of love. Uh, they don't feel like they should, they deserve love. But like if they, if they aren't seen as selfless or sensitive in other people's eyes, they like feel the sense of pride and anger and they become resentful um, because people aren't recognizing the things that they do. So it's this weird combination um, that floats back and forth all the time in their heads. Twos, twos just want to be loved. They sacrifice themselves. Um, and again, when they're unhealthy, that sacrificing um, just becomes overbearing. It becomes, it becomes their main story and they don't take care of themselves. That's why we did that prompt was because twos will focus on other people so much that they will forget about taking care of themselves. Okay, yeah. Uh, in times of stress, twos go to eight. So when they're in an unhealthy state and when it's a stressful time, twos can become kind of the, some of the negative sides of eight. They'll become dominating and aggressive. They'll wreck what is ever there because they're resentful because they've given of themselves and haven't gotten in return like they deserve. But in times of growth, in times of health, twos can start to act like a four. Um, and fours are kind of individualists. Twos tend to attach to other people in relationships. And fours have the opposite problem. Um, but they can learn from each other. And twos can learn that they can be themselves. They can take care of themselves. They can be introspective. They can, they can really be self-nurturing. Wings, again, as always, wings are the two numbers on each side. So there is a one wing, you can have one wing as a two, and this person usually has a stronger sense of moral obligation for helping. So they feel like they have to keep doing it because it's the right thing. Um, it is, it, and um, with that, they kind of also like to make a more of a change in the world and positive impact like ones do, like to correct things and make things better. Those are the three wing. Uh, usually this too is a little more energetic and is a go-getter. Um, they want to achieve. They want to, obviously their main story is helping, serving, et cetera. But um, with a three wing, they tend to do that, but also they want, they want to do great things. Some famous people and characters and stories. Uh, Desmond Tutu was a two. Stevie Wonder, Dolly Parton, several others. There's a whole host of people. Um, some fictional characters, Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings is like super stereotypical. There's this scene at the end of Return of the King where Sam is like, I can't take the ring for you, Fredo, but I can take you. And like puts him on his back and like starts carrying him up a mountain. It's like, that's a two. Molly Weasley from Harry Potter. Constantly trying to take care of, um, well, take care of Harry more than anybody. But uh, you'll see in a lot of stories, there's like this stereotypical mom that's the two. So you'll, you'll see that threaded throughout. Um, Peter Malark from The Hunger Games is a two. Um, Jess from New Girl is a two since we talked about New Girl a couple weeks ago. And a whole host of others. 
at their best, um, twos are just a joy to be around. They're unselfish, they're humble, and they're truly altruistic, right? When they're at their best, they're not doing it for the purpose of receiving something. They're not being manipulative at all. But at their worst, um, twos want constant recognition for their good works. They want it to be recognized in public and in private. They want they want people to know that they are being selfless. They become resentful. They can have this martyr complex where since they're always sacrificing and not getting anything in return, like they are, they're becoming a martyr. But again, twos at their best are wonderful. And most importantly, twos at their best learn to take care of themselves instead of only focusing on other people. So I, this, um, the scripture passage for this morning um, is one that we think of and we talk about when we talk about servanthood or servant leadership or what it means to give or serve. And I, I felt like I needed to have a more crafty, creative <laughs> passage, obscure passage to pull in. And as I talked to Muriel, she said, I just keep coming back to the Mary and Martha story. That's what hit home, hits home the most. So uh, we, are, uh, we are reading it from the message, but it's Luke 10, 38 through 42. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned me to the kitchen? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. Culturally, we have an Enneagram 2 problem. <laughs> we, the trope of an exaggerated 2 is something that we make fun of in popular culture, uh, like Marie in Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, we've, we've made those unhealthy elements kind of a joke, um, something we've all experienced so closely that we know it. So when we see it, we're like, yep, yep. Um, but I remember years ago watching a movie with a mother that a mother figure that was, um, again, a kind of a caricature of somebody who is selfless and giving. And I thought, why, why do we make this funny? <laughs> why don't we want something healthier? Uh, why, why do we just settle that this is the way that it is? And the truth is, I believe part of it is that our culture has been set up to thrive off the backs of our Enneagram twos. We don't like their smothering, but we like what we get in return in those relationships. Churches are built on the lives of women who've been told that this is what it means to love God, to give their everything to serve others and the church. 
I've worked in multiple churches and consulting settings where one of the key problems is that the pastor's wife doesn't want to fit into the traditional Enneagram two personality type of giving everything to the church and the church doesn't like it. Um, I've also coached with a number of, of staff members where the church secretary or, or the main church volunteer that's always around um, has been given way too much power in a passive aggressive kind of way and it's, it's causing problems. We also have women uh, books written. Um, I knew there was one book that had been written about women leaving the church because um, they felt like they were doing all the work, um, often without a voice and leadership. Um, and I tried to search for it online and I realized there is not just one book. There's like a whole library of books that have been written about this topic um, because these women feel like they've done everything that they've been expected to do, care for everything, often without being given any real leadership in many cases, uh, or they're encouraged to do that in their own families. Um, we preach equality, but we have a very different set of expectations when it comes to care and giving for the family for men and women often. And for so long, this kind of leadership, the kind that gives and gives, but also has a propensity for manipulation has been all that women were afforded. If you couldn't actually have a voice, you manipulated to get that voice. That's why we have so many movies like this. And it's true in the church, it's true in our families. It's, it's only when we recognize how our systems benefit that also are limited by unhealthy behaviors that we can move forward, all of our unhealthy behaviors. We're limiting men and women of God and we are limiting the institutions they serve. So first, I would say, if you're curious about that helping verse that Michael talked about, um, we, I, I talked about that in a sermon back in May on Memorial Day weekend, a different way to understand uh, the word is there that is translated often as helper in the Genesis story. But I would say, if you are a woman or a man that has been taken advantage of by the church as an Enneagram too, God says there is something better. That is not of God. If you are a man or woman that felt like you were getting the message that you only live to serve others, your only purpose was to make others happy, that only, uh, that only come, that, that message only comes from the voice of unhealthy systems that benefit from it. That is not the voice of God, and we deserve something different. Our scripture earlier is a great example of this. We hear that Martha opened her home to Jesus and the disciples. We do know that it's the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus from other stories that we have in the gospel. But Mary, Martha is the one that goes out and welcomes them in and greets them, invites them into her space. While the guests are there, Martha busies herself with serving everyone. The road back to you describes the scene like this. When Jesus and his friends arrive, Martha does what any good two would do, which is to set to work, making sure everyone is comfortable and has what they need. She has probably already washed Jesus's feet, and now she's running around to the point of distraction, making dinner and resentful. <laughs> everyone else in the living room is throwing back olives and laughing, and I would add learning from each other, learning from Jesus. 
And Martha gets angry because as usual, she is doing all the heavy lifting. And she says to Jesus, are, are you just going to let her sit here while I do all the work? Tell her to help me. I think there are a few things that God would say to our Enneagram twos. One, boundaries are super helpful. A good boundary says where I end and you begin. It allows us to be two separate people. I am not a copy of you and you're not a copy of me. When you get clear about what's yours and what is mine, everyone gets to have their own agency, their own identity and get to be who God created them to be. I've said it before, but we're all here for a purpose and a reason. And when we swallow others up and allow ourselves to be swallowed up by them, we're not fulfilling our purpose to be here on this earth in this time and place. When you take away someone's boundaries by constantly looking for ways to endear yourself, by serving and taking care of someone's needs before they even ask for it, it doesn't allow that other person to be who God created them to be as an individual. And you don't get to fully be who God created you to be as an individual because you're constantly trying to tie yourself to them. I would highly recommend for everybody, whether you are a two or if you just know a two, um, the book uh, by Boundary, uh, the book Boundaries by Drs. Cloud and Townsend. Um, for me, it was a life-changing book, um, and I think it can be for you. One of the things that I learned from that book was no one else's emotions are your responsibility. You don't have to be the caretaker or the maker of someone else's happiness, fulfillment in life, their anger. None of it is yours to carry. You are much more effective if you sit alongside them in it. Let it be fully theirs and let them fully experience it. Trying to take it from them or, or losing yourself inside their grief doesn't serve anyone. It's the same with others' happiness. At the start of their chapter about twos, uh, The Road Back to You has a quote for twos that says, I want you to be happy, but I want to be the reason. You also don't get to hide in others' emotions. Making up things you're worried about over them or obsessing over how they're feeling in order to avoid feeling your own emotions. Your emotions are a gift to you and to the world. Your needs are a gift to you and to the world. Richard Rohr says in his book, the defense mechanisms of twos is repression. Like ones, twos repress negative impulses and feelings, especially in the realm of aggression and sexuality. To admit clearly and distinctly, either you're driving me crazy or you turn me on is, is hard for them. But both could lead to what because both could lead to a withdrawal of love or to rejection. Nevertheless, one usually sends us without any trouble what's going on in a two. They wish neither to hide their feelings nor to show them openly. Thus, they express their moods in indirect ways and see to it that they are noticed. With having, without having to take responsibility for it. An offended too can, without saying a single nasty word, poison the atmosphere of an entire group. And still when asked about it, answer with the look of innocence, why would there be anything wrong with me? Nothing's wrong. You have to and get to 
take responsibility for your desires and wants and needs in this life. When you try to make nothing about you, you wind up making everything about you. Because no one gets to take up their own space, speak for themselves and their desires, pay attention to what they need. At their unhealthy points, Roar also says, they believe a two believes that they don't need God because they're loving and energetic themselves. Rather, they're convinced that God needs them. How is God supposed to save the world without them? The pride of self-imprisoned twos is directed not only against their needy fellow men and women, but also against God. This is where the really hard work of transformation begins. When we realize we do in fact need each other and we need God. We cannot get around the messiness of being in relationship with others and relying on and being transformed by God. Back in May, at my first appointment that I went to for an orth my orthopedic surgeon, my problem with my neck and my back that had led me to the emergency room, um, they told me that they needed to get x-rays of my neck. And in order to get x-rays of my neck, I needed to relax my back and my shoulders and my traps right here. And, um, and I said, oh, well, they're, this is as relaxed as, this is as far down as I can get them. And she goes, oh no. And she started pushing on my shoulders up here. And I winced and I literally cried in pain. I had no idea that my other muscles had been over-functioning so much in such a way that I couldn't even get them to settle down. It took weeks of some therapy and some medication and treatment to be able to get my whole body to relax so it could learn how to work together. But over time, as I did the hard work of creating boundaries for my muscles by strengthening those that had been under-functioning for too long and relaxing the ones that were so tired and overworked, it all began to work in a way that was so much better. It didn't cause pain. It, it actually made me stronger and healthier. Over-functioning in order to take care of someone else's problems, emotions, and needs never works out in the long run. Finally, I want to say that Relationships always involve service. They always involve caring for each other. But a relationship cannot be built on service alone, especially the one service part, one, the service of one party to the other. Every relationship has ebbs and flows, whether it's marriage, siblings, friends, a relationship with a sports team or work. There's times where we're giving more than the other person is, and there's times that they're giving more than we are. But the problem is when you find yourself being the only one that ever serves, that ever gives, when that's what the relationship revolves around, it's unhealthy. If you find yourself being worried that the, the other may, side may not like you or may not love or may leave you or drop you, if you stop serving them, then something is wrong. It doesn't mean it can't be fixed, but that is not a healthy relationship. Phil Anderson in his book says, uh, in his book, Running on Empty, says about his life that was leaving him exhausted. I felt that if I wasn't available, others would forget I existed. Or worse, they'd begin thinking that I didn't matter. Mary knew what Jesus had to offer in that earlier scripture. She was focused on learning from him. She also knew that she had the right 
to learn and had this unique opportunity. As she learned from him, they each get to be their own people. Mary got caught up in service in making everyone happy and comfortable until it became about her concern to keep everyone happy and comfortable. She was not recognizing this moment as the glorious opportunity that it was. In an unhealthy two's desire to care for others, you can take away their own self-respect. You take away their agency. You can cripple them by constantly serving. You do not have to be needed to be loved. Martha wanted Jesus to love her. Everyone, it seemed, did. And so she served him, busied herself with it all day. And Mary just sat there learning, and it was seeming like Jesus loved her more. And that made Martha angry. <laughs> he seemed content with what was happening. Jesus owed her. Twos believe they live in a world in which you have to be needed before you can be loved and where you have to give to get. It is hard work, but give people space to need you and want you. Your needs and desires matter too and deserve to take up space in the world. They deserve to be met within the boundaries of other people and you deserve and need to voice them in healthy ways. You were created as a beloved child of God made in the image of God. You are more than the way you serve and give to other people. While that can be a beautiful, generous part of you, it does not give you worth or earn you love. You get that automatically. You are not the sum of your service. Thank you for the ways that you show the giving and compassionate parts of God to us. But as Russ Hudson says, the undoing of pride is learning how to receive. Let yourself receive. That will be your undoing and your beginning again.